As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Episode 87, Thrive Lounge DC. Hey Chainers, welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Welsh. So Katie, all I have to say is wow. So today we talked to Chantal and her story is just like, I feel like the whole time you were talking to her, I had goosebumps. Yeah, it was an absolutely inspirational story. And this was our first in-person podcast, which was pretty cool. So Katie and Chantel had to share the mic. So if Katie sounds a little bit strange, that may be why. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm pretty quiet, I think, on the podcast. Um, but I was sitting like, we were basically sharing a chair. So Yeah, but I like super I, inspirational, like... If you have any kind of debts, you need to hear the story. Yes, because Chantal did a great job of talking about how like she was down in the dumps and she didn't know where to go. She was a young mom and she's really done a great job of digging her way out of it. And we didn't talk about it on the show, but Chantal also had student loan debt that she was battling as well. And she has paid off so so much. I want to say, if I remember correctly, twenty thousand dollars in like the last eighteen months or something. She's paid yeah, off. Yeah, it's huge. So she's been really knocking that out of the park as well. You, you know what I really liked about Chantel's story, though, and this podcast episode is it's not just about paying off debt. It's actually the other side of it, it's the emotional front. It's a very passionate podcast episode and she does a really great job like almost reliving the emotions that she yeah. went through in real life. Yeah, no, you definitely can feel it. She paints the picture really well. So are you ready to uh, listen? Yeah, let's dive right in. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Hey Chainers, welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. Today we have Chantel with us. In December 2014, Chantel and Sky hosted a potluck to make vision boards with their closest friends. Only one person showed up, however, but this gave her an opportunity to really dive into vision boards and sort of explore stuff. And then after that, boom, Thrive Lounge was founded. Welcome Chantel. Hey, hey, how's it going? Hey, Chantel. Hi, Katie. So 
this is our first in-person podcast, so a little bit different for anyone that doesn't know. We normally do our podcast over Skype, so something a bit different today. Yeah, and to break any kind of awkwardness, me and Chantel are sharing a microphone, so we're like on top of each other. Thigh to thigh, <laughs> thigh to thigh. You gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> so Chantel, what is a vision board? A vision board, okay, so it's really a visualization of kind of what you want to accomplish in the next year. I do them every December. So in the next year, you come up with ideas of like your goals and things you want to change in your life, what you want to kind of manifest in your life, habit changes. That all goes into like this visual representation and it comes into a vision board. That's awesome. So real quick, let's back up a little bit. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit where you came from and some of that great story that you were telling us earlier? You guys want the total like drunk backstory? Yeah. yeah we, we want we're like three glasses of wine in you guys. I am not the kidding. dirty details. Okay. 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 Listen, I'm, it's going to take a little while, but I'm going to go ahead into the whole backstory. So you understand how I got started building vision boards in the first place. Um, so I graduated from college, like literally top of my class, like out of 4.0, I had like a 3.9 and some change. Like it was serious. Cause they, you know, people tell you grades are important. Sorry for everyone who's in college right now, but they lied. Um, I literally graduated from college. Um, I, I grew up with some immigrant parents, right? And when your parents are like first to America, they tell you something like, oh yeah, you want to go to school, become a doctor, lawyer, or engineer, or you can marry rich and become a stay-at-home wife. I was on the stay-at-home wife track. Um, and if that didn't work out, I was totally going to be a doctor. So I was in school trying to become a doctor, totally uh, med school, uh, med, pre-med track. I was doing everything under the sun. I volunteered at a doctor's office. I did pre-med uh, little internships. I mean, the whole nine. And so I met this guy in while I was in college. And when I graduated, I literally became a babysitter and moved in with him. Um, he made $350,000 a year. And I was like, cool, I could totally be a stay-at-home wife. That's like a thing I can do. Um, but I guess as I kind of grew and understand and started to get to know myself, like I realized it just it wasn't the situation for me. Um, and when we eventually like fell apart, it, it was a little bit weird. Right. These breakups, when you're after college and you think you found the love of your life, they never end up the way that you think they're going no, to. They don't. Right? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so. I totally was was living with him and I'm a single mom. You guys, I'm a single single mom. So it was me and my daughter. And um, we were thinking about moving into a house. And he was like, hey, it would be a good idea if, you know, I sell off some of my stuff. You sell off some of your stuff. And we're going to go in and like buy this house so we can, you know, move on to the next step. I'm like, great. We're totally getting married. That's totally a thing. Um, and so, I, you know, I sold off as much stuff as I could. I tried to get some money together to to go in on this house. And uh, I didn't know that we were breaking up. So he totally bought this house and was like, hey, yeah, so you can't live here now. And um you know, I, it was right out of college. I didn't actually have a real job. I was like a nanny. And um, I, I was a little confused. And I thought that, okay, he was 35, making $350,000 and some change. And I thought that that was normal for America. I had no idea that was just not a thing. I thought that that was like a normal lifestyle. And so I thought, okay, great. I graduated from college. I got a degree. I graduated top of my class. Obviously, I'll be able to get a job for $75,000. You're safe right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> a 
clearly it would be an easy thing to do. Right. Um, I got an apartment for fifteen hundred bucks a month. Um, at the time we were we both had Benzes, which he was paying for. I had a, a Benz truck, obviously to to host all of the children. He had two, I had one. We clearly needed a Benz truck. Um, and so I didn't know how much my Benz truck actually cost. And uh, once I found out, I realized not only am I now paying eight hundred dollars a month for a Benz truck. $1,500 for an apartment. And oh yeah, that $75,000 job I thought I was going to get with a degree, it wasn't a real thing. Um, I, I, I was putting out applications everywhere. I couldn't find a job. Um, no one would hire me at all, despite my amazing GPA, by the way. Um, not to deter any people from going to college, but like they, they're totally <laughs> lying when they say, like, get some experience, people. Yeah, um, but, but, I mean, but I mean, to be fair, when people are looking for candidates, they're looking for 20 year olds with 30 years experience as well. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> you need that. Like, right. hey, entry level with five years experience. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> And so um, I, I started going to temp agencies. So I thought, like, this is my only chance. So I found a temp agency and they had a job that was $70,000. I'm like, OK, great. This is my chance. So I went in to the temp agency. I said, listen, this job that you have on your website, I want this one that's $70,000. And the, the lady, she was so sweet. And she said, listen, you are not qualified for this job. Um, we have one that you are qualified for. It's a receptionist job for $15 an hour. And tough blow <laughs> I lied to you not I started crying in the in the office like she had to just feel awful for me because I was like in tears like what do you mean I don't qualify for this job like this is this is what I wanted um and so I totally wiped off my tears and took that $15 an hour receptionist job um, on top of freelancing and also on top of uh, still babysitting. So I had three jobs at the time. And and all I knew was I knew I needed to do something else. I didn't know what, but I need to do something else. Um, and so I would start waking up at three o'clock in the morning. I would wake up at three o'clock, roll on the floor, like off the bed till I hit the floor and like the jolt of hitting the floor would wake me up and I'd crawl into the living room and start studying for the GRE because I don't know how many of you guys are in America, but you need to take that to get into a halfway credible school. Um, they all force you to do this standardized test, even though some people really suck at it. Like, like I did, like as smart as I am suck at standardized testing, but no one cares. Um, you still have to pass it. So I'm studying for this test, uh, working three jobs and also a single mom. So imagine from three to six, I'm studying for this test. At six o'clock, I wake up my daughter, I make breakfast, I take her to school, I go to job one, I come home, I do dinner, I take my daughter to whatever after school activities that five-year-olds do at the time, um, Girl Scouts and such. And then after that, you know, make dinner, put her to bed, do a full-on bath time because I was determined to also be a good mom no matter how bad I sucked at life. I was like, I can do this thing. Um, if, if this is the only thing I can do, I can at least be a halfway decent parent. Um, and so bath time, put her to bed, and then I would do straight freelancing until maybe 10 o'clock. And then I'd, I'd go to bed, sleep about five hours and repeat the cycle over again. Um, and you only imagine at that time I was getting super depressed, um, just doing that every day. And, and a friend of mine came to me and she said, listen, like you, your life kind of sucks right now. Uh, <laughs> come to my vision board party. 
And um, at that point, I, I lived in an, I, my apartment. It was a luxury apartment, super beautiful, awesome, near good school district and everything. But the, the thing about that was I, I lived near this bridge. And every day I would drive past the bridge in my Ben's truck looking super lavish, like I had money, but I was seriously broke. Um, and I'm, I'm driving across this bridge. And slowly, day by day, I started to imagine myself just sitting on that bridge and jumping off. And starting to have those thoughts like, my life doesn't mean anything. It would, I, would this world be better if I just was gone? What am I doing here? I didn't understand. And, and, and having those thoughts, I, I, I decided like, you know what? This vision board thing, that sounds ridiculous. I don't think it's going to work, but I, I can't get any worse. Uh, so so I decided to go and and I built this vision board where I showed up feeling like I'm nothing like my life isn't anything I I worked really hard I got great grades I thought that I was doing what I was supposed to do you know finding a, a great match right and and I thought that this is what I'm supposed to be doing but clearly my life is amounted to three jobs, can't sleep, and depression. And I really can't talk about it with my family because I'm not making them proud. I'm the oldest of four girls and I'm not paving a good path for them. Like that's a really big deal in in my community. Like um, when you're first born in Africa, your parents literally fight to get here. And then they fight to bring all of their other family here. And you're the first born in America and you really are going to sit here and not become a doctor and then not marry well. Like, that's a problem. <laughs> so it was a big deal for me. Like, my life totally sucked. Um, and so I, I met with my friend. I built this vision board. And I, I coming into the room thinking, I am nothing. And talking to other women who looked at me like, wow, you have your whole life ahead of you. You could become anything you want. Made me start to feel inspired. Like, I might be able to do anything I want. Maybe I'm throwing in the towel too early. Maybe I'm saying that I can't do anything right or I did everything wrong. Like, there's still time. And that, that started to give me a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of motivation, a little bit of I might be able to do this. And so... Um, with them, I started to build a vision board. I started to think about what could I do? And, and one big problem I had was I couldn't finish anything. Like I, I thought about maybe I can go back to school, but I literally tried to take that GRE three times and I started studying and I would start for like three weeks and give up. Like it was so tough for me. Like I sucked at standardized exams. So I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to finish something. And and as I was flipping through magazines, I found this quote that said, finish something. And I was like, that's what I'm going to put on my board. I don't know what I want to do with my life or where I'm going. I have no next step. I clearly am not qualified to do a freaking $75,000 job. So I need to just finish something. Maybe that can be my first step. And so uh, I built that vision board around just finishing something and being proud of myself because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my next step was. I was so depressed and I just wanted to finish something, to be able to say that I can do it. Um, and once I actually had the the whole vision board created and was able to look at it every day, that's when I realized like, okay, let me start working on this. It doesn't even matter what I do, but I can at least finish something. That's crazy. And you know, in terms of finishing something, it's the small steps as well. You know, like you have to sort of have a vision as to where you're going 
and sort of putting putting together the steps to get to your destination. Mm-hmm. And I think like so many people, like well, what you were saying about struggling to find a good job and you've done so well at school, I think that's a big problem that the current generation has, you know. Amen, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of people, you know, a lot of people in the sort of younger generation, they're trying to get into the workforce. But like I said earlier, they want a 20-year-old with 30 years of work experience. Yep, definitely. And that doesn't exist, you know. And, you know, as a younger person, it's your sort of job to try and somehow break that barrier, you know, and sort of get something on paper that people can look at and say, okay, I, I see where you're coming to and I see where you're going to, you know. And I think that, like, having – being able to, like, conceptualize something and, like, create a vision board is totally amazing that you can sort of – get ideas out there and sort of, you know, be like, this is kind of what I'm feeling right now and how I want to achieve stuff. I think that's huge. So I want to throw out, we met a few months ago, right? Yeah. Awkwardly. It was kind (laughs) of like a, like a Tinder date. I don't want to say like a Tinder date, but it kind of was like we didn't, we had talked online through a couple of different forums and then you're going to be in DC and we decided to meet up and just have drinks. And then like, it was like an immediate friendship. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It totally was. And we bonded over your terrible car experience and my (laughs) terrible car experience. And then we started talking about student loans and (laughs) wait, wait, hold up. So these are two complete strangers We've met each other for the first time discussing intimate money details. Think, <laughs> right, right, right. Think right. about that yeah, for a no, second. And it, was, and it was in like a crowded, like busy, like coffee house and everything. And it was like we started talking about like all of our money mistakes and it was like an instant bond. And you're super inspirational to me. So tell us now that you've been doing your vision boards for a long time, where are you now? Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'll start from the kind of that first vision board of just like finish something that like that was a big thing that I was looking towards. And so I tried for three times to study for the GRE after I built that vision board and had that like idea of like, I need to just finish something. I decided to link up with a friend who is super competitive. Like we were super competitive in college and she also wanted to go to grad school. So I'm like, listen, how about we meet up every week, plan the same study schedule and study for the GRE together? Um, and every week she would meet me. And and now it became this idea that I am I have to meet with her. So I have to be ready. I have to study because she's spending her time to be here every week, you know, study with me and practice with me and take a practice test and train me. And I'm training her and I have to be ready. And so I really put myself in a position to be successful because I, I now had someone depending on me. So that was of my first finish something opportunity. But on top of that, I'm studying for this GRE. I have an accountability partner at this point. I did not, I still didn't have the money. I was still living less than paycheck to paycheck. Like I was dead broke working all three of my jobs. Um, and so after about six weeks of, of studying, I was talking to a girlfriend of mine and we've been friends since college and we're chatting. She said, how are you doing with your, your testing? I said, listen, you know, I'm testing with my friend. It's going really well. And she said, okay, when are you going to take it? My response? Um, I don't know because, you know, it's when I get the money. I, right now I don't have it. And when I get it, I will do it. Her response to me was, I'm taking my credit card out right now. We're going to pay for this here today. You're taking that exam. So 
Imagine that feeling that now your friends are investing in you. Not only are they meeting with you weekly to make sure that you can get in and take this exam, but they're also putting their money where their mouth is and saying, you better do this. Like that lit a fire under my ass. Like <laughs> no sure other. Because <laughs> I like, I just kept thinking like my friends are investing in me. Like my community is investing in me. And that would really powered me all the way through like there was no way I was quitting oh and that receptionist job that I literally cried about taking I had so little to do that I spent that time studying for the GRE so it was like this huge like my parents are huge like a uh, church church people that's like the blessing in disguise that they talk about yep, all the time because I literally cried about taking that job and it literally was the reason I was able to study extra. I was able to read more articles. I got super into the Atlantic, which I was never into before. Like they use big words unnecessarily, but it, it helped because I was able to really get prepared. When I came across a giant word that was just obviously there for no reason and to trick you, I was like, whoa, I saw this in the Atlantic before. I know what this means. Um, and I was totally ready. I scored super well on the GRE. And then I, I ended up going to Maryland. Um, but I do want to like backtrack just a teeny bit because having the vision board, re the first ever vision board, helped me start getting into reading. And, and I started reading just different books. Where do I want to go? What direction do I want to go in? And it really highlighted this big thing for me that I didn't realize was even a thing. And that was I was working three jobs trying to cover my bills. And I just kept working and paying bills and working and paying bills. And I was never catching up. And then at some point in looking at my goals and where I wanted to go, like in reading books, it hit me. Maybe I don't need to get more money. Maybe I just need to have less bills. And that was the moment where, and it gets super embarrassing at this point, I decided to do a voluntary repossession on my car um, because it was costing me 800 bucks a month. And I was like, listen, I don't want to pay this anymore. Like, there's no other thing. I just don't want to pay it. So I stopped paying it. I called them up and I was like, listen, I'm not going to pay you guys anymore. What's the worst that'll happen? <laughs> and they said, OK, uh, you can do a voluntary repossession. So I said, cool, let's do that. I gave up the car. Um, and basically what happens is they sell your car and then you owe them the difference. Um, and I was like, fine, I'll take that because I, I don't want to pay this 800 bucks a month anymore. So I did that. Then I completely turned off my phone. Like I know millennials are like, wait, what? You didn't have a phone. I called my friends and I was like, listen, I'm turning my phone. You're going to have to email me. I called up every creditor that I owed money to and I owed about maybe 10 grand in credit card debt. And I was like, listen. I'm not paying you guys. I'm going back to school. Tell me what happens next. And basically they said, yeah, your credit's going to be shot. And I said, well, I'll take that bet. I'll take that. You know, because at this point I'm working around the clock. I'm becoming depressed. I'm honestly contemplating suicide because I'm so miserable and I just wanted to finish something. And now my friends are over here investing their time, investing their money in me to go back to school. And I'm like, screw you creditors. I don't know you guys. But my friends are investing in me to do something with my life. And so 
I decided I turned off my phone. I gave up my car. Another friend of mine, I, I lived in an area that just wasn't like bus train friendly. And so another friend of mine hooked me up with some old lady that was selling some like busted ass car for like a grand and uh the trunk didn't close so I'm driving around this old ass car and the trunk is like bouncing up and down as I'm driving and people are constantly stopping me like hey your trunk is open and I would just like crank by window because it had the circular like cranky thing and I'm like I know like that's what the rope is for (laughs) (laughs) and like that was my total first year but to be honest like that was my best year ever because I was able to say like what's most important and I realized it wasn't making the money it was figuring out how to handle my financial situation which has two sides to it it has making the money but it also has the debt and if you can reduce how much you're going to pay a month, well, then you automatically have more money. And I was able to become more happier simply by taking away the money I had to pay away. And I didn't have to work extra hours and I didn't have to make more money. I didn't have to get smarter. I didn't need a degree. I just called those guys up and said, screw you. I'm not paying. Sorry, I'm broke. Um, and the crazy thing was they were fine with that. Like, uh, I, I ended up going to school. I, I based on, you know, applying and all of that, I was able to get into University of Maryland, which is like one of the like big 10 schools. It's, it's a pretty big university. And um, that was my second year of, of having like a, a vision board was actually getting into school and going. I moved in with my mom because at some point I said, I can't afford this fifteen hundred dollar a year pay I mean, a month payment on this apartment. So I sold everything I had. I moved into my mom's basement. Now imagine I'm 25. I have like a five-year-old. Maybe she was seven. I don't remember. So I have this like whole kid. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one day she she will hear this, right? Instead of a half kid? I had like a whole one. (laughs) (laughs) And so I, 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 I called my mom like, listen, I can't do this anymore. I moved in with my mom into her basement. I couldn't afford a bed. Me and my like maybe seven year old slept on this blow up bed in my mom's basement for nine months while I went to this accelerated program. And that was honestly the most humbling experience. So if you think about two years prior, I'm like living in a beautiful house. I'm like, you know, had this you know, person I'm thinking we're going to get married. We had like a whole nanny. We're both driving like matching Benzes. And now I'm living in my mom's basement on a blow up mattress because I couldn't afford a real bed. Maybe it was 40 bucks with my kid. Um, And the only thing we had in our room was this blow up mattress and my desk so that I can put my computer up and study. And on that desk was my vision board that told me this year, just keep going. And And for me, it it meant this. It was a big deal for me because I was working so hard. I still had one freelance client that I was working with to just keep me going. And um, I had my daughter that I would go to school, work for several hours and come home. And I would be so exhausted that my seven year old would read me books like and I would fall asleep like <laughs> and I don't even know what happened to her. Maybe she went to sleep after, but she she's a responsible kid. She's like, OK, you're obviously exhausted. Let me read you a story. I'm like, please, please do that. Um, but we got through it. You know that it was difficult, but we got through it. And then 
um, to, to answer Katie's question, the, by that year, not only had I graduated, but I was the first person in my class to receive an offer from for a job. And the crazy thing about that was on my vision board, I put $75,000, like the actual number, $75,000. My first offer was $75,000. I got goosebumps right now. <laughs> oh, I know. I have all, I'm all goosebumps. <laughs> so like your story is crazy. Like I honestly <laughs> have to say like the amount of value I think that people can get from a story like this is there, there's no limits, you know, there, there's so much that you can take away from this. Even simple stuff like it's not about earning more. It's about reducing your expenses and yep. stuff like that. Like a budget works both ways. You have mm-hmm. incomes and expenses, you know, and sort of learning that process of managing both is crucial. Well, and you did it all by yourself as a single mom, young <laughs> and, and like little, like listening to your story. I'm just like, wow, I thought my rock bottom was bad. Like <laughs> your rock bottom was way worse but you've definitely you've emerged from it and you've accomplished a ton of really amazing things yeah and you just published a book (laughs) tell tell us about your book okay so one thing that my my book is called gold doing and it's practical advice for like creating a plan and a strategy for accomplishing your goals but one thing that my book does that uh, that other books doesn't do or don't do um the one thing that that it does is it says like listen take yourself as you are and work with that because that's really what I did the entire time I mean you can't uh, as you're setting goals and thinking about accomplishing goals you really can't say I'm gonna be happy tomorrow I'm gonna be happy next year I'm gonna be happy once I finally pay off my debt you have to find that space to be proud of yourself today so as I was going through my kind of like little long winding road adventure that I was going through I kept looking back to where I started and even when like say I took my first GRE and actually scored well that's really accomplishing nothing. I didn't have any more money. I still had hella debt. I didn't do anything tangible. But I was able to say, hey, you tried taking the GRE three times. You actually finished. Um, And so that was like the first big deal. And I think that's one piece of my book to say like, hey, even if you're someone who has failed a thousand times and maybe one time you take a tiny step, congratulate yourself for that step. Um, and, and that's really what my book does. It says, listen, don't be a martyr to your goals. Don't kill yourself to accomplish anything. Be that person that says, I'm going to live today and tomorrow. I'm going to put myself in the position to be proud of the little bit that I've done. And also to take your life into account and to try to balance both. So one of the big reasons why I decided, like, I'm going to actually pull back on my debt and tell those creditors, like, I'm I'm sorry, um, and, and instead try to go back to school was because I I really recognized that I'm going to stay on this constant cycle if I do not get off. And the crazy thing is the entire time I was in school, my creditors would call me and I would always answer. I would never be that person that's like, I'm not going to answer you guys. You know, I I would answer and I would literally talk to them. There was a lady, I don't remember her name now, but she called me every month like, hey, can you pay your bills this month? And I was like, no, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm in school and I don't have any income. I can't pay you. And she was just like, 
okay, I totally understand it. Like, you know, when do you think you'll be able to pay it? And I'm like, you know, I probably will try to get a job by July and then, then I'll start paying. And the crazy thing is, she would call me every month. We had the same conversation and she was totally cool. Like I totally answered the phone and just talked to her like a regular person. And I mean, think about it. You put yourself into these situations. You you think that you have no choice. You feel like I don't have an option here. You think I, I can't do anything about this, but you always, always can. And And I think once I started to rank what's most important to me right now? What can I fix right now? And then only focusing on that one thing that I have the ability to fix that is also most important to me. Um, I realized that that made everything else easier because I knew I don't have to worry about this right now. There was a whole year I didn't care about whether or not I gained weight or ate healthy because I'm broke and I can't feed myself or my kid. Like, I don't care how good I look or if I travel or if I do anything else like those things just aren't priorities. So I don't care how good you look on Instagram. That doesn't matter to me because I'm poor. So really, my book talks about that is thinking about for yourself what matters to you. Um, And then once you realize what matters to you, think about what you actually have the ability to change and how to do that. And then also how to enjoy your life in the meantime. Meaning if your friend has like a birthday coming up or a bachelorette party that you need to go to, um, can you do it? Ask yourself that question. And if you can, then make space. And if you can't, then say, honestly, I can't do this right now. Um, my, my best friend who was the person who put the money up to pay for my, uh, me to take the GRE, she was actually getting married that year. And she wanted me to be a bridesmaid. And I was so broke. I was like, listen, I can't afford to be a bridesmaid. I can't afford the dress. I can't afford to go to the bachelorette party. I don't have any money. And I'm sorry. I want to be there, but I can't. I'm struggling. And her response to me was, I'm going to pay for your dress and whatever you need. I want you in my wedding. And... um. That was huge for me. I was able to be in her wedding. I didn't like pay to get my makeup done. I did that myself. I didn't pay to get glammed up. But at the end of the day, she did pay for the dress so that I could be there because it was important to her. And I think good friends will do that. They'll understand where you are and what you're coming from and what's important to you. And they'll accommodate for that. Like good friends aren't going to say like, hey, I need you to spend a grand. So spend a grand or you suck. Um, and she was able to, to, to make that accommodation for me on top of paying for my GRE. Um, and to just side note, on top of that, when I did get into school, uh, University of Maryland, basically, they say, hey, congratulations, you got into grad school. Um, the fee is $1,000 to save your spot, and you have two weeks to pay it. Hope to see you there. Um, <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and... I obviously didn't have it. <laughs> and so I spent about, I, I, I plan to just basically call up all my friends and family and say like, hey, I, I did all the work. I studied for school. I took the test. I did well. I applied to school. I got in. They won a grand in two weeks and I don't have it. Can you give me 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever, I'll take it, you know, and I'll pay you back the second I get a job. It's a nine month program. I had that money in two days. 
two days because so many people were willing to put up 50 bucks, 100 bucks. I had an aunt where I asked for 100 bucks and she was like, you never ask for anything. I'll bring you 200. And, you know, I think there, there were friends that I called up and they said, listen, when I was in school and couldn't pay, you gave me 200 bucks. So no problem. I don't even remember those acts of kindness, but those things come back to you. And and uh, that girlfriend who got married, she was getting married as I was requesting money from people. So I obviously didn't ask her, but I told her kind of afterwards, after her wedding, what I was going through. And she was pissed at me that I didn't ask her as she was getting married. She's like, why didn't you ask me? I totally would have gave you the money. I'm like, it's your wedding. I can't do that. And she's like, no, no, no. no. Next time you ask me. <laughs> and and I think that, that that's what you do. Like you put positive energy into the world. It comes back to you. But not only is the positive energy, but you work hard and people see you working hard. People love investing in people who will put their heart, their time, their sweat, their blood, their tears. They love investing in that kind of thing. And and really, that's what's taught in my book. Like work hard, but also enjoy your life. But on top of that, invest the people like invest in the people around you, but also get get them to be your cheerleaders because that's what's really going to push you. Sometimes when we're pursuing goals, we really think it's just me and my computer. It's just me and my notebook. It's just me and my blog. But in reality, if you can invest the people around you into what you're doing, you'll go 10 times farther. And that that's what I did in going to school. That's what I did in my blog. That's what I did in my community. And that's what I do on my email list all the time. And so that that's what's, that's what's the heart and soul of my book. I think now's a great time to take a quick break and say a big thanks to our sponsor. Chainers, a quick reminder, we are now on Alexa. We've released a daily show. It's called The Money Minutes. So if you have an Alexa, just open up your skills and you can search for Money Minutes. You'll see Money Minute by Chainer Wealth and you can add us to your daily routine. That's Money Minutes on Alexa. Okay, so... We ask everybody this, and now I'm really excited to hear <laughs> your thoughts. Why do you think that people struggle to achieve their dream? I think people struggle to achieve their dreams because people don't ask themselves what what is their dream. Um, I think that we we get so much input from the rest of the world. I mean, starting out, I got so much input from my fems friends, family, and, and teachers, you know, they tell you, oh, you need to go to college. Oh, you need to find this type of mate. Oh, you need to make sure you know how to cook and clean because a man is going to want that. You need to learn how to do A, B, and C, and you need everything under the sun. I mean, we watch advertising that tells us we need to look good. We need to smell good. We need, you know, to shave every piece of hair that we have on our bodies. You know, like we, there's so much that, that we're told we need to do that we believe we actually need to do it. Um, and at no point does anyone say, what is it that you actually want? I mean, I spend so much time thinking, I wanted a giant house with a white picket fence and I wanted, you know, two and a half kids because what's the half? 2.3. What's <laughs> oh, it 2.3 now? De Dennis knows. He actually told me earlier. <laughs> right? 
what's the point three? Um, or, you know, you want this type of relationship and you want, there's so many things that we're told that we want or conditioned to want. So many social constructs that people don't stop to ask themselves, what is it that's important to me? And I think that's, that's really the first step. Um, deciding what you want for yourself on your own terms taking away everything else you know I this year was the first year uh, since September I've gone without like Instagram and Twitter and all of those things and really you flip through them wondering what am I doing wrong with my life right you don't flip through them thinking "Ooh, there's so much great content here you you flip through it wondering why haven't I gone to Bali you know, why haven't I gone to South America? Ooh, I really need to go sledding. Oh my gosh, I haven't gone horseback riding yet. And and really, do you care? Do you care? I mean, my my biggest reasons, and we're we're all friends here. We're we're, we're totally besties now. Um, I, I I originally got off of Instagram because. I am 29, pushing up on 30, and, and every time I saw someone else getting engaged or getting married, it honestly made me sad. It honestly made me wonder, where is mine? And I mean, really, if I haven't found it yet, what am I sad about? Like, what am I really wanting? Um, and And the reality is we don't think enough. What is it that we want out of our lives? Um, and I think that's why people can't be successful because they haven't determined that for themselves. And the second that you decide, I'm going to choose what I want. And this is going to be my definition of success because because this is what I want. Um, that's the moment where you can actually find success. And just a tiny story. I spent a lot of time after college and, and during college trying to go to med school, right? This was like my big thing. This was my definition of success. But I never thought to myself, like, this is what my parents defined for me growing up because they came from Africa and told me, gave me three choices, doctor, lawyer, engineer, and I just picked one to be cute. Um, but going down that path for however many years and even being pre-med in college, I, I was really depressed when I realized, like, I'm going to suck as a doctor. Like, I got fired from my first job in a doctor's office within two weeks because I sucked that much. Um, and <laughs> I'm dead serious. And and so I, I, I remember deciding, like, doctor isn't for me. I was a nanny for two OBGYNs, and that's what I wanted to do. And both of those OBGYNs, they never saw their kids. Their husbands left them. One of them literally sat me down and said, listen... If this is what you want to do, rethink that because this sucks. And and that really made me think. Uh, I spent a month in India shadowing doctors. And, and there was at one point where the doctor, he was an OBGYN and he was actually this woman couldn't get pregnant. He was checking her tubes to see why she couldn't get pregnant. And her tubes were perfectly fine. She was terrified about taking this test. She didn't want to do it. It hurt. She was obviously in pain. And her husband was literally like, it's in India. So, you know, men are a little bit more dominant there. He was like, you're going to lay down. You're going to take this test. You're going to sit here. I don't care how much it hurts. And as a female, I was looking at that doctor like there is no way in hell I'm giving that woman this test. She clearly doesn't want to do that. Screw this dude that says she has to. And, and that's when it hit me. I don't need to be nobody's doctor. I'm too goddamn opinionated. <laughs> Screw the insurance. I don't want the money. Like, obviously, this lady doesn't want this. Um, 
And, and like I came home from all of that, all of those experiences, like from babysitting to being in India. And, and, and I was afraid to tell my mom I didn't want to pursue that field anymore. Um, it hit me that that was never my goal. That was never something I wanted. That was something I was conditioned to want from childhood. And the second that it hit me, I called up my mom and I'm like totally afraid to call her. I'm like, I'm supposed to be leading the family. I'm the firstborn in America. I'm so wrong for this. And I told my mom, I don't think I want to be a doctor anymore. And the craziest thing was she responded, you're a smart girl. You'll figure your life out. I'm like, seriously? All this time? I thought you wanted me to be a doctor? What the hell? That's it? <laughs> but the point is, I figured out that's not what I wanted, and I had the balls to say something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that can be really tough to kind of just confront and say what you want. I was crying and my mom didn't care. And that's the point. You got to pick what you want to do in life because you're the one who has to live it. As much as you think you're conforming to a society or you're doing what your parents want or all your friends are doing it, no one cares. Yep. yep. And we also, <laughs> we also spend so much time like going to your, back to your earlier points. It's like we're in a system, you know, and you're expected to swim a certain way, yeah. act a certain way, walk a certain way. You know, and you're always sort of like put into this funnel and you're almost sort of forced all the way down. And what if that's not how you want to be? You know, what if you want to do your own thing? What if you want to, you know, not become a doctor, do something (laughs) completely different? You know, like we, I think like inherently from the schooling system and everything else like that, we're forced into this way of thinking that society expects stuff of us, you know, and realistically, like you just said, no one cares (laughs) about whether you are following someone else's dreams or whether you're following your own. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. No, it's so true. I, I actually was, I was, I was invited to speak at this uh, conference and um, the conference had a pre happy hour and the conference was like early Saturday morning and, and leading at the happy hour was like Friday night. And leading up to this, I was super exhausted. Um, I was, I mean, dead tired. Like I, I work a nine to five. I do thrive lounge as a side hustle. I love it, but like, it's, it's legit my side hustle. Like I'm one of those rare people who love their jobs and um, I'm tired and I'm, I'm talking to a girlfriend of mine and I'm calling her up asking for advice on how to write a book. And she asked me like, how am I doing? And the first thing I said is like, I'm really tired, but I need to get motivated because I have to go to this event tonight. And her response was, I know you called me to ask for advice on this book, but I'm not going to give you advice on the book. I'm going to give you advice on your life. And you just told me that you're super exhausted. You don't want to go to this event, but you have to. Let me tell you something nobody's going to care whether you were there or not. You really like we love as humans to think that people care whether we're there. And she said, let me tell you something. Everybody's still going to drink their wine. Everybody's still going to network. Everybody's still going to have a great time whether you're there or not. And it's not going to make a difference to you as important as you think you are. And we love to think that we are. We're just not that important in the grand scheme of things. You are a minuscule part of the rest of the world. Yes, you can make a difference. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, if you're tired, admit that to yourself and take your time. Yep. Yep. So did you go? 
I did not. Ooh, <laughs> you little rebel. You. There you go. I, I, I emailed the, you know, I emailed the lady and said, I know I said I was going to show up tonight, but I'm not going to be able to, but I will be there bright eyed and bushy tailed tomorrow. And, and that's what I did. And I felt so good for, you know, reclaiming my time and, and actually resting that night. And I was able to come full force the next day because I was, I was well rested. It made a difference. And I think like that that's why people don't achieve their dreams. They they really think everyone's gonna care if I'm not there. Oh no, I'm gonna disappoint my family if I'm not a doctor. Oh no, I'm not conforming to what the status quo says I need to conform to. And at no point do people ask, what is it that I want as a person? And I think when we can start there, more people will start to achieve their dreams. Super true. So do you have any other books or podcasts you could recommend to our listeners? Okay. I know you have a time. <laughs> I'm a total podcast junkie. And and you can find your own book, please. <laughs> yes. So yes. my book is Gold Doing. You can find it on Amazon and pretty much everywhere else. Um, and in the show notes page. <laughs> <laughs> um, but okay, a couple of good books. I've been I've really been into deep work lately. It's by Cal Newport. And and basically the premise of the book is we spend so much time like checking email or following up on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these like tiny minuscule things that we don't focus on the meat of our work. And like blocking off maybe two to three hours to dive deep into a challenging problem and um, really will help you move forward a lot faster and also accomplish what you wanted to accomplish a lot faster, like the, the deep work that you need to do. Um, so I highly recommend that people check that out. Um, as far as podcasts, I really want to recommend Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell. And I, I recommend that one because it, it's a little off the beaten path. He does an amazing job at storytelling. If anyone's read like any of Malcolm Gladwell's books, he does this really good job of like tying history into present and also somehow your life at the same time. Um, and so some examples of, of his work is just one of the more recent podcasts. He talks about, um, imagine someone dying, you know, maybe they were doing something and they died and, and wouldn't you want to do everything in your power possible to make sure that no one, no one else died in that way. If it was, if it was a possibility, Right. We'd all like to do that. Right. If you you had some control, you knew this particular activity made people die. You'd want them to stop. Think about football. How many of us watch football, engage in football, enjoy football, enforce it and, and watch the game and watch people as they pummel each other and, and honestly destroy their brains? No one thinks about that, but they all know that to a certain degree, people do get diseases from football. Right. Um, why is no one doing anything about it? Why is no one stopping to enjoy the game? That's what Malcolm Gladwell dives into in each of his podcasts. And it really makes you second guess yourself and really think about those things in history. So, so I do re highly recommend that as something, if you want to expand your thinking, uh, engage in, in that one. Um, another one is, and this is going to be totally outside of anything you guys have ever heard before, but the Savage Lovecast 
Um, it's by Dan Savage. And, and and I'm a huge proponent of just thinking outside of what you're normally used to thinking to. Um, and Dan Savage really dives into relationships, but from a different perspective, from an open type of perspective in any different way. And the beautiful thing about what he talks about is it's not the, I mean, you will hear 60 year old men asking about like, how can I get my wife to do X, Y, and Z thing that I shouldn't be talking about? on a podcast but the the beautiful thing about listening to that particular podcast is it gives you an opportunity to think outside of the norm and and I don't think we do that enough you know you you stick to it like I'm I'm huge in the the fight community I listen to it all the time but at some point you have to say what are people that aren't in my community thinking about and I think that that's what both revisionist history and the savage love cast have in common so those are my recommendations. So do you have a favorite quote? Yes, my number one quote, and this is something that I came across in my first year as when I was super depressed and honestly contemplating suicide. Um, the quote was, I am the architect of my life. I build its walls and choose its contents. And this was what I wrote in my journal every night. And over time, I didn't I didn't believe the shit. I was like, what the hell is this? OK, I'm going to write it down because it sounds good. And this is what I like my life to be, but I don't believe it. Um, but after writing it down every day for over 500 days straight, like just continuously writing it, I began to believe it. Think about it. I am the architect of my life. I get to build what I want. I get to choose what I want this building to look like. I get to choose the furniture that goes inside, the painting that goes on the wall. I get to choose the people that walk into it and what they feel when they walk into it. I get to choose all of that. Now apply it to your life. Like that made a huge difference for me. I didn't believe it at first, but over time, as you believe, I get to choose its contents. I build its walls. Like you really, really do. And that that's what makes the difference. It's like the second you choose what goes into your life. And that's what a lot of us just aren't doing. We're choosing what life does to us rather than choosing what we do in our lives. And and repeating that every day, I mean, that that's changed that's changed my life. Like knowing that. I get to choose the contents. I get to build the walls of my life and I get to choose, you know, what my life looks like. So God damn it, start choosing. That's absolutely huge. Chantel, we've absolutely loved hanging out today. Do you have any other last potting piece of advice for our <laughs> listeners? <laughs> and then we'll say goodbye. <laughs> pieces of advice. <laughs> um, okay. If I had to choose one piece of advice... This is something that when I first started like listening to self-help stuff and I was driving around in the car where the trunk kind of went up and down and people stopped me left and right. The the one piece of advice that I got that, that made the biggest difference was honestly from John Lee Dumas. And it was focus. Dennis, do you know what focus means? <laughs> Follow one course until success. <laughs> And and really, that, like, to be honest, that's what made all the difference, because what I was stuck in was following every shiny object that looked beautiful. Like, oh, wait, I have this talent. Maybe I could try that. Maybe I could try this. Maybe I could do another thing. Ooh, let me start over. But reality is if you 
choose one thing, just choose it and follow that course until it's absolute demise or absolute success, you'll see way more come out of everything that you're pursuing. Um, One example is just me deciding to finish something at the very beginning. Like if you are someone in a stage of your life where you're just not sure where the hell you're going or what the heck is going on, you're wondering, how the hell did I get here? Um, Think about choosing just one thing. And honestly, if you aren't convinced enough to choose, you're not ready. The second I decided to choose something was um, I was doing like marketing freelance. And at the time, I was also nannying and also being a receptionist and doing marketing freelance, but I didn't really enjoy it. I was doing like um, Facebook ads and I was writing all this content and I felt like I really like this analytics piece of it, but I don't really know how to do it. I don't enjoy it. Like something about like writing the content wasn't really matching up for me. Like it didn't feel good. And so I went to this conference where I met these people um, and they ran this company where they said, listen, all the stuff that people post on Twitter we can pull that data and then we can take that data and transform it into something meaningful and we can make it numbers that will drive someone's business. And I was looking at all of their data like mind freaking blown and and knowing that, OK, I already have this marketing ability. I already have uh, the background knowledge. You're telling me that I can scrape this web data and turn it into like something tangible for a company? Like that really hit home for me. And the fact that they made it easy, it was a startup out of D.C. um, And I ended up calling them and seeing if I could be a part of their first cohort of, of classes. It was a startup at the time. And their first classes were $400. It was live. It was taught by data scientists where they're scraping web data. Now, I told you how broke I was, you guys. I didn't have the money to pay this $400. So I emailed the company and I said, listen. I can't afford your class, but I would love to be a part of this first cohort. I can give you $100 a month. I had no idea if I could actually give them $100 a month. But I said, listen, I can commit to this. Will you let me in your course? You know, there's no, uh, the worst they can do is say no, right? They responded and said, sure, no problem. Pay us 100 bucks a month. We'll let you into this class. And so I started to pay them $100 a month. I mean, and this is the seat of my pants. I couldn't afford it at all. But starting to, to pay them a little bit at a time, you know, 100 bucks here, 100 bucks there, I took their course and I saw not, not only the information that I needed, they broke it down so easily, but I saw other people that looked like me, like they legit had black women data scientists, which is something, honestly, my mom worked at McDonald's for 40 years. I just knew my cap was $60,000. I didn't know that there were people out here working for companies that could make more. I had no idea. So honestly, Best piece of advice I can give to anyone is if you haven't found it, keep fucking looking because at some point you will and it will click like a freaking light bulb. And at that point, you'll be so passionate that you keep going. Like to this day, I adore my job. Um, and, And I look back at that first job when I thought I was supposed to be a doctor and got fired in two weeks. The reason I got fired was because 
I, I am kind of like I sarcastic and super smart. And I talk to people in that way, which is totally fine. But in my environment now, they love it. Everybody's pulling out their wine bottles and whiskey at four o'clock on a Friday. It's totally normal. And everybody's super smart for no reason. And everybody talks to people as though you're a freaking human. You don't have to be perfect. You can make mistakes. And honestly, that was the environment that I thrived in. And I would have never hit that bingo moment if I stopped. So follow one course until success. And if you haven't found that course, keep looking. Chain, as we've been hanging out with Chantel, you can check out her website. It's thriveloungedc.com. I highly recommend you check it out. And Chainers, I have one challenge for you today. Write down something. It doesn't make a difference where you write it down, your phone, a notebook, whatever it is, and finish it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.